The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information on our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. What a beautiful day today. What an opportunity to be here. Um, this is the third year, actually, we've done this. And honestly, it's my favorite, one of my favorite weekends of the year for our church. And this morning's going to be a little bit unique for us. We're taking a little bit of a break from Titus. We've been walking through the book of Titus. We're going to take a one weekend uh, break from Titus. And uh, I, I got to be honest, I've been looking forward to preach this text for over a year. I am really excited to be able to dig in, and what a better place and time to dig in than now. Um, So if you have your Bibles, uh, digital or paper, would you turn with me to the book of Jeremiah? The book of Jeremiah, we're going to be in chapter 29, Um, and while you're getting there, have you ever gone through something where you just wondered Things should not be this way. Things should not be this. Maybe you went through a tragedy or sickness and just comes out of nowhere. Maybe you see someone that you just think is one of the greatest people on the planet and they're going through a difficult time. Things should not be this way. Um, Maybe you're here and you're trying to serve Jesus. Like you're giving him everything and you're serving and life is just... It feels like the, the, the bottom's been pulled out uh, over and over again, and, and you're trying to do the right thing, but God, it can't be like this. Or maybe you're one of those planners. I'm a planner, so I can relate to this. And you have a plan for the way it should be. It should be this, and then this is going to happen, and then this has happened, and maybe you're here, and you're just like, man, my plan got disrupted, turned upside down, and it is no longer even feasible to even talk about my plan anymore. And you're left thinking, well, it shouldn't be like this. I don't know if you've ever been there. If you have, um, I think it's very similar to what the moment is like that we're dropping into in this text. See, um, here, God had called his people. He set them apart. He said, this is who you are. This is who I've called you to be. You're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to give you beautiful promises. It's going to be awesome. Makes them a nation, sets them apart to himself. All of these things, just wonderful. And it's, it's just going in the right direction, except... As you read the, the text of Scripture, as you read your Old Testament, things don't go great. <laughs> they just don't. Um, think about this. The nation of Israel. There are far more negatives than positives. And let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So Israel gets their first king, King Saul. He starts off okay. He does not end that way. It's a little bit of a rocky start to come out of the gate. It's kind of, uh, all right, try again. We get David, King David, and we think now, now we might be on to something. A little stutter step at the beginning. Now we're on to something. But then Solomon rolls around. And Solomon, he was great at the beginning, and then, my goodness, does he go squirrely. He, he, he ends up in left field, and at this point, things go really weird because the nation, the people of God, supposed to be the people of God, now do this. 
and they're divided. And we have a group over here called Judah and a group over here called Israel. They're not supposed to divide. It's not supposed to be like that, but it is. They divide. Um, and each of these groups, this division, each of them have their kings. So let me start with Israel. Israel, this will just give you a glimpse of what I'm talking about. They have 19 kings. Out of the 19, 18 of them abandoned the ways of God, pursuing other things and other gods. 19, so 18 out of 19 were what commentators call bad kings as you look at history. <sighs> There's only one that wasn't. His name was Jehu, and he was a bit of a mixed bag. I don't have time to get into that. He's a little bit of a mixed bag, too. So it's not looking great. And it wasn't because no one was telling them the truth. There was prophets like Hosea, Amos, Jonah, uh, Jonah Elijah, Elisha, and they were just screaming, like, here's the truth. Turn back to God. They wouldn't listen. This was not the way it was supposed to be. And then in 721 B.C., Israel, this side, is conquered. What? Sent off into captivity. What? Like, Assyria just levels them. It's not the way it was supposed to be. Well, what about the other side? Let's look at the northern kingdom. Let's look at Judah. They had, they did look a little bit better. They had 20 kings, and five of them were what we call good. It's pretty good, right? No, it's not. Five of them follows, follow the Lord. Three of them are a bit of a mixed bag. And when I say that, either they started off following the Lord and then went squirrely, or they started squirrely and then ended right. But three of them are kind of in that camp. And then the other 11 just abandoned the ways of God altogether, pursued other gods, and went their own way, leading a nation astray. They had their own prophets, too. They had prophets like Isaiah, Joel, like the prophet Micah, like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, just to name a, a little bit, um, all telling them, come back to the Lord, come back, but they did not listen. And then in 586, can I just say this again? It's not supposed to be like this. They are taken off into captivity, conquered by the Babylonians, taken off into captivity. And we see the people of God, God's nation, are now without a land, in captivity, thinking, what has happened to the promises of God? Things should not be this way. This can't be the plan. This is exactly where we find ourselves as we drop into Jeremiah 29. This is right after the people of God were crushed by the nation of Babylon and taken into captivity. And I want you to imagine as we turn our hearts to the scripture, the amount of discouragement. Put yourself in the shoes here. Imagine the discouragement that you would be feeling in this moment. Imagine, can you imagine the doubt? Can you imagine the feelings of hopelessness that you would have? Not to mention, I want to push on this. Can you imagine the feelings of hostility and, dare I say, hatred you would have to Babylon? The people who did this to you? And this is where we drop ourselves in. And, and so I want us to have that mindset, that, that putting ourselves in their shoes, because I want us to read now God's word to us. It says this, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to the exiles 
whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Notice with me the pronoun. It was not Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon at the time, that did this. No, God says, I, the Lord of hosts, did this. I did this. I sent you to exile. I sent you from Jerusalem to Babylon. God was sovereign over it all. Over it all. This was all a part of God's sovereign plan. And I want to just tell you right off the bat, that is true for us. In those moments when we say it should not be like this, it is part of God's sovereign plan, even in the this doesn't make sense moments. And here's this message to the exiles. You ready? It's going to be profound. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage and they, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. So here is the exile game plan. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat from them. Now that'll show those Babylonians. Now that, that will get them. Not only that though, continue getting married. Continue having kids. Continue having grandkids. Have families. Again, that will show them. That's going to get them. That'll get those Babylonians. We're going to build homes and live in them. We're going to plant great gardens and eat from them. And we're going to continue to get married and have children. That is the exile game plan. That's it. What's happening here, church, is profound. Listen to God's word as he continues. He says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, and in its welfare you will find your welfare. I hope that you're able to put yourself a little bit in the shoes of these exiles. The place they were in was not their home. This is not the way it should be. We are exiles. And as an exile, why don't we just head for the hills? Why don't we just put an end to this and hide out in the woods? Why would we continue to have kids if we're just going to bring them into this messed up exile world? Why would we do it? If they're just going to be born as exiles, what life is that? Why don't we run? Why don't we wish them the worst? Why don't we pray for them, not for their blessing, but for them to be destroyed? Why don't we pray for them? I mean, they are our conquerors. But no, the game plan here was blessing and not curse. Listen to this. The game plan was blessing and not curse. Listen, listen to what he says. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. I want to unpack this word welfare for a moment. This is a Hebrew word that's one of the most profound Hebrew words in all of the text of Scripture. And depending on your translation, I guarantee this word is translated differently. It's translated just dozens of different ways, because this word is so profound that we don't really have a good apples-to-apples -apples translation of this word. The word is shalom. 
You might have heard it. Shalom. Shalom. It's this idea of welfare, of peace, of tranquility, of wholeness, of completeness, of thriving, of flourishing. Shalom. God says, seek shalom in Babylon. Several years ago, I was, uh, I was in seminary, and I had a friend. He was, he, he was probably one of my best friends while in seminary. Um, his name was Josiah, and Josiah was a Messianic Jew. And I remember meeting him. Um, just He has this incredible testimony of God just saving him through his word in rabbinic school. He was going to be a Jewish rabbi, and Jesus just saved him through his word in, in that and just opened his eyes to the gospels. Just incredible. He was a brilliant thinker. And as a student who is having to study Hebrew, you need Josiah's in your life. So I clung to him. I really did. Um, but he was just an incredible guy. And I, rem- I, I never forget this conversation we had together. It was one afternoon after our class. We were walking out, and he was kind of feisty. He's a, in our house, we call that spicy. He was a little spicy. As we were walking out, he said, um, you Western Americans just do not understand shalom. <laughs> What? I assured him that we Western Americans understand everything correctly. But he said, no, you don't. You don't understand shalom. And we were walking outside of the campus, and I, I remember him stopping us and looking around, and, and he said, look around. This is shalom. I thought, you're right, I do not understand it. So I went to Dallas Theological Seminary. This is in downtown Dallas. It is not a wonderful area of the city. It's becoming better. It wasn't then. And um, literally, it's just like the homeless population's pretty large there. It's going through some transitions, but that's where it is in the city. And I remember him saying, look around at this campus. And the campus of DTS, now that's a different story. It is beautifully kept, landscaped, beautifully, the buildings, it is literally, it feels like a different world than if you cross the street. You're in just a different universe over here as if you were to cross over the street. On the campus, you feel like finding a bench, sitting in prayer, gazing into the heavens and listening to the birds sing and chirp as you worship Jesus. That's what you feel. You do not feel like that when you cross the street. You won't go sit on one of those park benches and do feel the same way. And why is that? Well, Josiah said, that is because of shalom. That is because of shalom. Shalom is about bringing the beauty and the grace and the wonder of Jesus to bear on the world. It is about bringing the beauty and peace of Christ to the world in a way that changes it. He said, this campus is shalom in the middle of Dallas. It is making this community a better place. It is making it more beautiful. It is bringing God's peace and God's mission right here in a tangible way. This is tangible peace. This is shalom, the peace and the wholeness of God.
And Josiah said, this is what we are called to bring to this world as the people of God. Shalom. Shalom. It's what God says in Jeremiah that we just read, but seek the what? Seek the shalom of the city where I have sent you into exile. More than that, pray for the Lord, pray to the Lord on its behalf, not against it, but for it, for shalom. Because listen, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And as you guess that same word welfare, it's the same word shalom. For in its shalom, you will find your shalom. For in the shalom you seek for your city, you will find your own. This is huge because it's exiles. As we said, our temptation is going to be to run. Our temptation is going to be to withdraw. Our temptation is going to be to not contribute to the nation that conquered you. But God says, no, do not run, bless. Do not withdraw, plant gardens, build houses, have families, exiles, seek to bring the shalom. Now, I want to take this a step forward. I know you're not Israel. I know you have not been conquered by Babylon this morning. I know this. I know we're not in exile, but in many ways, we are. I'm reminded of what Peter says about you in 1 Peter 2.10. Who sa- he says, once you were not my people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then listen to this. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul, to keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so they, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. <laughs> Do you hear it? Do you see it in a very real sense? You are church and exile. This is not your home. Your hope is for a future glory. Your hope is for the future when you are with Christ and when your home is in him. This is not your home. You are in this world, but yet you are not of it. You are in exile hoping for the future and the future shalom. So what now? What do we do now, exiles? What do we do? Well, we hope, while we hope for the future shalom of Christ, we seek shalom for the community God has placed us in. We bring shalom here. Although we are not Babylonian exiles, we are exiles who seek shalom and pray for shalom right here. Are you seeking shalom for your city? Are you seeking shalom in your community? Are you making your community a better place? Are you helping it to flourish? Because until you see Jesus face to face, that is your calling. What does it look like to seek shalom in your city? The first thing is that we share the good news of Jesus. Human flourishing is not possible, ultimately, apart from Jesus. The gospel is shalom. So we seek to share it and to proclaim it. To seek shalom in our city is to seek that more and more and more and more would come to know and follow Jesus Christ. That is shalom. That's number one. Share the gospel. Number two, build houses and plant gardens. 
In other words, contribute and live in your community to do good work, to involve yourself in commerce, to involve yourself in your city. This is why what you do with your life matters no matter what your career is. You are image bearers, you are shalom bearers, that you would make, a better pla- make it a better place for the glory of God. This is, um, let me put it like that. We as Christians should lead out in this. We should lead out in this and on this. Why? Because we are seeking shalom for our city. I'll tell you this, the grounds team at Dallas Seminary, They were bringing shalom through the work of their hands. I don't know if they ever saw their work like that, but they are. You, church, are bringing shalom through your work. And number three, it's to pray for your community. God says, pray to the Lord on its behalf. How often do we pray for our community? I know this isn't ultimately your home, but I do know that this is where you are right now. Pray for it, that God would use you and cause shalom to fall on it. For all of us exiles, let us bring shalom to the communities that God has placed us in. I want to direct our attention now to the most popular verse in this chapter. Uh, actually, I could make an argument, one of the most popular verses, period. I am assuming it's on the walls of our homes represented here today. Very popular vo- verse. And I want to look at it. It says, thus says the Lord when, Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill my purpose and bring you back to this place. 70 years? Going to be in exile for a long time. But listen to this. Verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. And as you can guess here, church, welfare. It's the same word. Shalom. God says, I know the plans I know the plans that I have for you. I know things are not the way they should be right now. I know you're in exile. I know this is a difficult moment for you. But I also know the plans that I have. And although you are exiles now, my plans for you are shalom. They are peace, wholeness, tranquility, welfare. I know it is difficult for you right now, but my plans for you are shalom and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Church, I know that we're exiles now. I know life is not what we expect. I'm sure if we could pass a mic around right now, we would hear stories that would say, life is not what we expected. I know that we endure difficult things, and I know that this world is not our home. But our future is secure and sound in Jesus, and nothing and no one can shake that because that is yours. 
through Jesus Christ. Exiles in Christ, that is our future. Our future is shalom. God says, I know those plans that I have for you, and I will make them happen. But as for you today, church, in the here and in the now, like the exiles of Babylon, your call is to seek the shalom of the community around you. Right where you are to pray for shalom right here. A few weeks ago, um, we had at our vision dinner, we had some of you put pins in a map. And you can see it over there. I'm so glad it's not a windy day. It would have been a nightmare, but it's not. So they're still there. Um, But we had you put, if you remember, four pins in a map. And we had you put a pin where you worship your church. We had you put a pen where you live, your neighborhood. We have you put a pen where you work, and we had you put a pen where your community group was. And as we began to place our pens, all of a sudden we began to get a glimpse of areas of shalom in our city. We, as a church full of exiles, put these pins and areas all throughout our city to show our shalom potential. Here is a church. What would it look like, church, if we owned those areas? What would it look like if we intentionally sought shalom, if, if we intentionally shared the gospel, contributed positively to whatever we do in our life, and what would happen if we intentionally prayed for this, is seeking this for our community, our, our offices, our schools, our neighborhoods? We've asked this before, but if our church were to shut its doors and never open them again, and we just disband and it's done, Would our community know or care? Church, as the family of God, as shalom bearers, the answer should be yes. Even if they don't know that, oh, Stone of Bible's not here, they should feel it. If you and your family were to pick up and move tomorrow and never speak to your neighbors again, just be poof, gone, and you are just gone. Would your community, would your neighborhood know or care? As the people of God, as shalom bearers of God, our answer has to be yes. And I want to encourage and challenge you this morning in Christ that your hope is secure. Your hope You will know the perfect shalom of God. That is yours in Jesus Christ. And in the here and now, you are shalom bearers, and wherever Christ has put you is where he has placed you. Wherever you are, seek shalom. As we look at our pens, by the way, if you haven't pinned the board, please do it. But as we look at those pens, as we look at those maps, let's own it. Let's own it. Let us follow the commands of this scripture, and as exiles, let us own that map together. 
Let me pray for us. Lord, we are grateful for the call of your word on our life. We are, we are grateful for the way that you speak and the way that you move and the way that you have started a good work in us. We are thankful for the future hope that we have through Jesus Christ our Lord. That it is not because of how good we are. It is not because of what we do. It is because of what has been done and what has been accomplished that now we have relationship with you through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Your word says while we were dead in our sins that you demonstrated your love for us that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can be made whole and experience that shalom that we have been talking about. Through Christ, we know shalom. Through Christ, we know that this world is not our home and that we will be with you forever in eternal shalom. We know that, we believe that, we trust in that. But Lord, now in this moment today, I pray that you would turn our hearts for the here and the now, that we would begin to see where you have placed us, that right now, people in our community would come to our minds, that right now our neighbors would come to our minds, our coworkers, our school, that, Lord, people would come to our minds and that you would begin to put on our hearts how we can now be a blessing where you have placed us. Let us take this seriously as your people, not to earn your love, but because we are loved. Lord, we thank you for that. We come to you now with a grateful heart, knowing that it is because of Jesus Christ and Christ alone that we are able to pray these things and for the shalom that we have. In Jesus' name.